South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. I'm John Tanza working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Friday, July 29, 2022. A senior member of the former rebels of the SPLMIO loyal to Riyak Machar says some members of the police detained him and his relative in Juba. They, they, they bungled us into their car. They did not beat us. They had to roam like for an hour and threw us into a cell at uh, the police station at uh, near near uh, Jamuz uh, playground. And lawmakers representing Unity State at the National Legislative Assembly are calling on President Salva Kiir to address the root causes of the violence in Mayom County. We are hoping those who have different divergent views to hit towards the people. And to, there are so many events that they can address the grievances so that at least it won't be forever. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some lawmakers in South Sudan's Transitional National Legislative Assembly say the violence in Mayom County of Unity State poses a threat to the implementation of the revitalized peace agreement. One lawmaker says President Salva Kiir and other vice presidents should form an independent committee to investigate the root causes of the conflict in Mayom. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Nguyen Jangwan, a member of the National Parliament who represents Unity State's Mayom County, says a number of lives were lost following days of fighting in his area. He calls the violence devastating and says the nation's top leaders should intervene. Problem can be started with a small thing and it can escalating to be big to, to the light to the country. If people look at it very simple like that, later on it will come to affect the whole nation. Because the one who was killing the commissioner is a post holder who was appointed by our president. He's now in mind of the people that this one is not only to kill only the, 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 the commissioner. That these people that are organizing themselves, they want to take over the government. If there is foreign also to, 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 to join peace, we cannot, we cannot say that they, they, they will not come. Because everything is done with, uh, with stock and also people can fight and can come to feed. The latest round of fighting erupted last week when a new rebel group calling itself the South Sudan People's Army attacked Mayom County headquarters, killing Commissioner James Chual Gadlock and 11 others including Gadlock's bodyguards. The group's leader, renegade General Stephen Boy, told this program the attack was motivated by revenge after a pro-government militia under Galwak's command attacked the opposition in a place called Bong. Boy said in a letter, our people have been tribalized by the regime in Juba. They are unable to work together to achieve justice and freedom to confide in each other. End quote. Yesterday, Unity State Security Advisor Stephen Salam told South Sudan in focus government forces launched military operations targeting bases of the rebel South Sudan People's Army in Mayom County two days ago and killed at least 10 rebel fighters. Another national lawmaker, Mayan Deng Alier, 
who represents Jongolei State, Twitch East County, says the violence in Mayom is not only a national security threat, but also poses a threat to the implementation of the peace agreement. Uh, it is of a great concern, one, to the agreement, two, uh, to the security of, uh, of the people of South Sudan, the three, those who are from that area, and uh, three, to the economy of, of the country. Yeah, so we are concerned and we are waiting it each day and uh, we are encouraging dialogue uh, uh, among uh, the parties involved, uh, you see, because uh, it is a threat to everything that we have done. Aliyah says the parties are at the final pace of implementing the peace agreement where the unified forces will be graduated and deployed. He says more conflict, such as the fighting in Mayom, could derail security arrangements and cause further displacement, hampering the repatriation of refugees and internally displaced persons. Lawmaker Malek Kugdwach represents Unity State-Lair County. He says South Sudanese cannot afford another war. Kugdwach says the government should hurt Gerald Boy to win the bloodshed and invite him to join the peace process. We are reflecting those who have different divergent views to hit towards the peace and to there are so many events that they can address their grievances so that at least we can the peace forever. Because our people need to restore their livelihoods uh, at this trying moment. Uh, they can address their grievances using the full means. There are whole house groups who are now trying to uh, negotiate with the government in Rome. Those people who have different opinions uh, can join that process because it is a roadmap uh, for the peace, full coexistence, and for the peaceful uh, settlement of other conflicts. Yesterday, the United Nations mission in South Sudan expressed concern about the continued fighting in Mayom and called on all armed groups across the country to lay down their weapons and join peace efforts, saying this is the only way to break the cycle of violence. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiden in Bor. A senior member of the SPLMIO says he and his brother were picked and detained for several hours on Wednesday. Luke Thompson, who is a member of the SPLMIO Liberation Council, told South Sudan in focus that armed men stomped his compound and whisked him and his brother away without any explanation. He says the armed men who picked him appeared to be from the government's joint operation unit. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Luke Thompson Thorn, who also works as the office manager of the first deputy speaker of the National Transitional Parliament, Nathaniel Oyeta, says the gunmen who detained him and his cousin were identified as police officers who operate as joint security force at Mangaten Police Station and their identities are known. He says when they arrived at his compound, the men attempted to break down the door of his main house, saying they wanted to search the house, claiming a robber entered his compound. My house was attacked on the 27th of this month at 3 a.m. Army gunmen in plain clothes of uh, around 11 in number, with the exception of two among them who dressed in military and police uniform, 
came and tried to break into my house through the main door and windows of the house. And when this didn't work out, they started to threaten us to shoot and fire through the window. Then when my children got scared and he started crying, I had to get out and engage them. Thorne says before he stepped outside with the men, they fired two bullets inside his house, but fortunately no one was injured. He says the empty men forced him and his cousin into their car and dropped them away. They, they, they bungled us into their car, which I, which I earlier told you, car number 045, by force. Uh, they did not beat us. They had to roam like, for an hour and threw us into a cell at uh, the police station at uh, near, near uh, Jamu's uh, playground, that road of... Uh, of Malaysia at around a few minutes to five. This is where we we got ourselves in in the cell. And they took us from 3.30 in the house. Thorn says he still has no idea why he and his cousin were apprehended and detained. He says a police officer at the rank of brigadier at Mangaten Police Station told him the police have yet to start investigations to establish why security forces went to his house. He says all agents who unlawfully detained him appeared to be from one ethnic group because they spoke one language. It is important uh, the law uh, enforcement agencies reflect uh, reflect the, the, the diversity of uh, the South Sudan composition in, in terms of ethnic group. Because those who bungled me into car and caused trauma to my kids that night were all from one ethnic group. And, and this does not sit well with me because I felt if they were from diverse background and formation, they wouldn't have done what they did. Pork Both Baluang, acting press secretary at the office of First Vice President Riak Machar, told the South Sudan in focus that Thorn and his cousin were released after the SPLMIO party intervened. Baluang says the SPLMIO is not surprised with such incidents as they are intended to intimidate SPLMIO officials. Baluang says he believes it's politically motivated. He says many civilians have experienced similar incidents. The intimidation for our members, it is not a secret. It happens, you know, in, in a lot of places in South Sudan. You know, we have a lot of examples that such things occurred. Even we had a commissioner once who was uh, detained unlawfully uh, in, in Lipsy State. So this all happened due to the lack of uh, the security. Baluang says there is an urgent need to speed up the implementation of security arrangements defined in the peace agreement to reduce security challenges across the country. He says such intimidation tactics can negatively impact on the implementation of the peace agreement. Major General Daniel Justin, the South Sudan police spokesperson, could not confirm nor deny the incident, telling South Sudan in focus he has yet to check with the police station in Mangaten to ascertain facts about the incident. For VNOs, Zamwaki Simon Wudu in Juba. From Juba, we move to Khartoum, where some Sudanese politicians say the different parties engaged in discussions should reach consensus on forming a government to complete the remaining task of the transitional period. The leader of the Sudan Liberation Movement faction says the parties have narrowed their differences and have agreed on 
about 70% of the sticking issues. Michael Atit reports for viewing from Khartoum. Sudanese political parties have begun separate consultations this week to find mutual consensus among civilian parties ahead of forming a civilian-led transitional government. In a meeting between the Democratic Unionist Party and the commanders in the armed forces that signed the 2020 Juba Peace Agreement, the two sides announced they had agreed on more than 70% of matters related to forming a new government and that the remaining 30% involves technical matters. Is speaking to reporters in Khartoum on Thursday, shortly after meeting with the Democratic Unionist Party, the faction leader of Sudan Liberation Movement, Minni Arko Minnawi, described the meeting as fruitful. He says an announcement should be coming soon. All of the political forces that we met with are in agreement that an urgent formation of the transitional government is needed to move the country from the current situation to a permanent democratic rule through a fair and credible election. The move comes a few weeks after Sudan's top military general Abdel Fattah al-Burhan announced the army is stepping aside and allowing civilian political parties to engage in dialogue and form a transitional government. He's speaking at the same event, Ibrahim al-Mergani, the head of political bureau at the Democratic Unionist Party, said the meeting had set a clear roadmap over what he termed as a slight differences among the parties. He says the meeting resolved to continue with consultations with other political forces which should lead to a unified mechanisms for political dialogue. There are no many differences among the national political forces about the transitional issues. We only remain with very slight differences that will not affect the continuation of dialogue, which will lead to a completion of the transitional period and sustainable democracy in the country. Al-Mergani says talks that will continue over the coming days are aimed at reaching a consensus for a formation of a transitional government. He says the parties recognize the role played by the United Nations and the African Union in previous talks, but the primary responsibility lies among Sudanese themselves. We do recognize the need and the role of the trilateral mechanism, but at the same time, the nature of the dialogue should be among the Sudanese forces by themselves. What happened today confirms that the Sudanese are capable of reaching a solution by themselves. In October last year, General Al-Burhan led a military coup on the civilian government of former Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdok. Since then, pro-democracy protesters have continued with demonstrations demanding the military step down and allow a civilian-led government to run the country. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Coming up, the head of the UNAIDS says visa issues prevented delegates to attend the HIV-AIDS conference in Canada. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. What's the bad habit that you have struggled to give up? Bad habit. I love sleeping a lot. Yeah, that's my bad habit. I I love sleeping. Sometimes I 
I failed to catch up on time because of sleep. That habit of being jealous to my wife, yes, that one I've tried to be con- to control myself so that I should not be jealous of her, but I do fail. A short temper because I, I think that it is a genetic, so I can not uh, give up. I tend to overreact when my kids do something wrong, and I end up regretting the consequences of my actions after giving them two tough punishments. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. The executive director of the United Nations aid agency, UNAID, says hundreds of people might have been denied the right to attend this year's Global AIDS Conference in Montreal, Canada. Winnie Bianyima says she had to highlight the issue on Twitter because of what happened to her in Geneva where repeated scrutiny of her travel documents almost caused her to miss her flight. The two days AIDS conference concluded in Montreal. Bianyima tells viewers James Batty that a global AIDS status report presented by her agency finds that AIDS has become a forgotten epidemic. She also says adolescents, girls and young women in Africa are the most affected by HIV. Yesterday, we released the global AIDS report for this year and we named it In Danger because we show that the global HIV response has been derailed by COVID, by the war in Ukraine and the resulting global economic crisis and progress has stalled. Progress in reducing new infection has slowed. Progress in getting people who are HIV positive on treatment has slowed. Progress in stopping AIDS-related deaths has Load resources for HIV response have shrunk. For Africa, what is very sad is that it's adolescent girls and young women who are mostly infected by HIV. In Sub-Saharan Africa, girls and young women are now three times as likely to acquire HIV as the same age boys and young men. What does this mean in terms of uh, Africa meeting your AIDS strategy 2021-2026? What needs to be done for them to meet that? As I said, progress is slowing, but we can turn it around. We can get back on track to achieve our target of ending AIDS as a public health risk by 2020. What do we need? Well, first, we need to keep the funding It's very hard now for African countries to maintain investments in health, in education, in social protection, all the three areas we need them if we are to succeed against HIV AIDS. But today, debt repayments are swallowing up the domestic resources that would be going to health, to HIV, to education, keep girls in school so that they are not infected by HIV, to social protection, I want to talk to you about your tweet. You tweeted about an incident that happened to you on your way to Canada as you were trying to board your flight in Geneva. What can you tell us? You call it an incident, but actually it isn't. It is just what we live with when you are a black or brown person traveling, working in some of these northern countries. 
you face this kind of racism, humiliation, frustration all the time. The reason I chose to bring it out this time was because I wanted to draw attention to the hundreds, if not more than a thousand people who have tried very hard to get a visa to come to this very important conference and were denied. And these AIDS conferences that happen every two years, global meetings, are not just academic conferences or they are not like UN government meetings. These are movement meetings. These are people coming with the stories of their lives, with all their struggles. They come here to engage each other, to energize each other, to share, to learn, and to continue the struggle of their lives. So I put that tweet there really to draw attention to that, knowing that my social media accounts, I have more than a million followers. It was a way not to draw attention to myself, but to the people who've been denied their chance to be here. You said that hundreds of people from the South did not make it to the conference. Can you be specific? Yes. Denied visas, I've said it. They went and applied and tried their best and tried to prove that they are coming just to attend a conference which is important for their lives, for their work, and were denied visas. This is going on all the time. So as I said, I did this right because I was shocked at how I was treated. Ms. Bianyima, thank you so much. It's so nice to talk with you on Daybreak Africa. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, James. That's Winnie Bianyima, the executive director of the United Nations Aid Agency, UNAIDS. Talking to my colleague James Batty from Canada. We love to hear your comments on issues in this broadcast. And my colleague Nabil Biagio is ready with this week's listener comments. Over to you, Nabil. Thank you, John. We heard from many of you this week about our coverage of the recent deadly violence in Unity State's Mayom County, such as Jacob Dior Matwang in Ural Who Rights, the killing of the Mayom County Commissioner and others in his residence was a big crime that needs to be condemned by both parties to the agreement because this may extend to another conflict in the area. Mobor Aladrengo in Rombek in Lake State says hello VOA. The newly emerged rebels at Unity State under Stephen Bui have to know that violence is not a solution but dialogue matters a lot. I am appealing to him to silence the guns and come to Juba in dialogue with the government to discuss your issues with them rather than going to the bush and kill your fellow South Sudanese. May the souls of those perished rest in peace. Saber Isaac Hamiz Ezo in Western Equatorial State writes, Hello VOA South Sudan in focus. It is just very worrying to some of us if an entire county with its commissioner can burn to ashes like what happened in Mayum. How safe ordinary citizens in their properties are. It is very difficult for peace to prevail in this country unless the government willingly accepts unifying the forces. My condolences to the families. Ayen Yang Dao in Jebel Lemun in Juba says, Dear VOA, the ongoing fighting in Mayom County should be treated as a security concern rather than an isolated case because this is how South Sudan issues begin. Immediate intervention is needed now to save unarmed civilians in the area. Isaac Mayen Mading from Rumbeg in Lake State writes, 
IVOA, the reason why innocent civilians are dying in the hands of rebels is that this issue of compromising and promoting someone to take part in rebellion makes it a business for politicians. Thomas Kuntoj in Old Fangak Payam of Jongule State says, Hello, VOA South Sudan in focus. I am shocked to hear about the death of the Mayom County Commissioner. It is embarrassing to people who plotted the murder of Honorable James Chual Galwak, who was the flag bearer of Mayom County. My condolences to all Unity State people at large and especially to immediate relatives in the Bull community. Those holding key government positions must increase their protection more than what we saw in this incident. Rest in peace. Majang Marco Majong from Morab State writes, I condemn the killing of Commissioner of Mayom County with some of his family members and his bodyguards. This is what I describe as a devaluation of the revitalized peace agreement in the country. Otherwise, let the government step in with immediate effect. James Palwan from Kakuma District says, I am not happy with what happened in Bantu, which resulted in the killing of the county commissioner. So Bantu, which has been quiet a bit on the side of southern areas, now comes back to the northern area. Let people hear the challenges that Unity State residents face. Please, oh my dear people who are in Bantu, please have a heart for peace so that you can understand yourselves, including the floods and the hunger, then our state would be great again. Atfara Elias in Juba writes, Hi John Tanza, I am so happy with your program. Life here is so bad. We are living by the will of God. May God help us. The opinions expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or of this program. We really appreciate hearing your thoughts. Keep those comments coming. Keep your comments brief and we shall sample some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. When it comes to ending hunger, food insecurity, and malnutrition, the world is moving backward, according to an annual report issued by the United Nations in mid-July. Last year, 828 million people were facing hunger, an increase of 46 million people from 2020 and 150 million more than in 2019. In 2021, a record 193 million people in 53 countries across Africa, the Middle East, Asia, and Latin America faced at least this third crisis phase of hunger, said USAID Administrator Samantha Power. That number reflected many things, job and income losses and supply chain disruptions from COVID-19, climate shocks, long simmering conflicts, governments restricting humanitarian access to people in need. But it didn't account for the latest accelerant of human misery, Vladimir Putin's unconscionable assault on Ukraine. Since Russia attacked Ukraine on February 24th, the Russian military has blockaded Ukraine's black seaports, leaving 20 million tons of corn and wheat locked in silos and shipyards. But just as sinister as Putin's stranglehold on Ukraine's grain are the less noticed bans on the export of Russian fertilizers, said Administrator Power. Russia is the world's largest exporter of fertilizer. But starting in November last year, Russia began to restrict some of its supply to global markets, contributing to a near tripling of fertilizer prices over the past year. For farmers in Africa, this could result in a 20% smaller yield harvest time. 
the United States is working to galvanize a response to the emerging crisis. In May, while presiding over the UN Security Council, the United States launched the Roadmap for Global Food Security. This initiative identifies several calls to action, including increasing humanitarian food assistance, keeping markets open, increasing fertilizer production, and investing in food system resilience, said U.S. Special Envoy for Global Food Security, Carrie Fowler. In responding to the food crisis, the United States has committed nearly $2.8 billion in emergency food assistance to Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America and the Caribbean since February. The United States will continue to lead with our domestic and global actions to end this unprecedented food crisis, said Dr. Fowler. We call on all countries to reaffirm their commitment to multilateral institutions, build faith in the global trading system, and take concrete actions to improve the short, medium, and long-term outlook for global food security. The world is looking to us. Let's all do our part. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. That's all we prepared for you this Friday. We now leave you with some traditional Baka song from Maridi County in Western Equatorial State. Listening to a traditional Baka song from Maridi County in Western Equatoria State. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Yeah,